the controversy continues to swirl around this uh, Virginia rape case. Did it happen? Did it not? Uh, most people, I think, uh, now, some people anyway, believe it was a hoax. Yeah, well, including Rolling Stone, the place that including published it. Rolling Stone. Now, they're not saying they know all the details of the incident. They just know mm -hmm. that they don't think what she's saying is true. Uh, and this is now being backed up in the Washington Post by the Friends. Remember the story where this you know, woman supposedly was gang raped for three hours. It was terrible for, by on seven guys glass. on broken glass. Then went to go find her friends, which, of course, you know, could happen. I mean, you know, you'd think obviously mm -hmm. the best thing to do is call 911 immediately. But it, if you don't do that, you, you go find your friends and maybe you want to be have their support when you go to the, the police. Instead, the, they told her, oh, you know what, though, that'll make the campus look bad and... You know, what about your position in sororities in the future? I mean, have you thought of that? It seems so absurd that it would mm -hmm. ever go on. Uh, that, that was one of the first things. Do friends act like that? I mean, maybe. I don't know. I've never had a friend like that. Friends though. don't let friends report rape. Really? I, yeah, that's a that's I a thought thing. that was drive drunk. That's I think a thing. No, friends, friends don't, don't let, let friends drunk. report rape. I think oh, it's report how, rape. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I knew it was alliteration. I knew it yeah. was a report rape, drive mm -hmm. drunk. It was some alliteration. Yeah. Um, first interviews, uh, the friends um, are saying that their recollections <clears throat> of the encounter diverge from how Rolling Stone portrayed the incident. The friends are skeptical now of her account, mm. the alleged uh, rape victim. Um, the, they said that they were, of course, ca uh, callously apathetic. That was what the article said. It uh, didn't happen that way at all, the friend said. They, they do think something happened. Something shook her that night. But it's, it's hard to know exactly what it was. And they don't really seem to, uh, at this point, really understand what it was either. They said they were, they were concerned for her. They tried to be supportive. Um, but uh, there are lots of inconsistencies. Um, they, uh, they say that... Um, uh, the man who is now a junior at a university in the other state, uh, who was one of the, I guess the, uh, um, I guess is that the, one of the attackers, confirmed that the photographs were of him, and she barely knew Jackie. These are the photographs in question. Hasn't been to Charlottesville for at least six years. The friends say they were never contacted or interviewed by uh, Rolling Stone. Um, the Rolling Stone article also said that Randall declined to be interviewed, citing his loyalty to his own frat. He told the Post that he was never contacted by Rolling Stone and would have agreed to an interview. The, I mean, how bad is that? The story is just, it's fallen apart. It's, it's totally fallen apart. It did not happen the way she said it did. No. I, I think that's pretty clear. I mean, right? so story one here is just the failure, failure of Rolling Stone journalistically, mm -hmm. um, which is not a huge surprise to me. Story two is a bunch of innocent people potentially uh, accused of something they didn't do. And story three, maybe most importantly, is this idea of the rape culture on campus. While it's not, you know, the rape culture on campus is bullcrap, okay? It's not a rape culture, okay? Mm -hmm. There is a sexually active culture there, but, and rapes do occur, um, and that's terrible, but it's not a rape culture. That's just a made-up nonsensical term. There are individuals who have done horrible things. This sort of thing does not seem possible to me. But this is what I think is really driving this right now. This rush to judgment to try to basically make every male college student in America into Genghis Khan, as John Kerry would say. Uh, this marauding band of maniacal rapists are all over the place in every college in America. Um, an amazing stat that we learned from a, a new study shows, Pat, I don't know if it, we've talked about this. I talked about this on Glenn's TV show the other night. They say one in five women have been raped. 
Well, the evidence shows that non-student women in the same age group are victims of violent crime at a rate of 1.7 to 1 to a student. So people who aren't in college are being attacked 70% more often than someone who is in college. So if the rate is 1.4 or 1, or, or excuse me, 1 in 4 or 1 in 5 women in college, it would lead you to believe that it's 1 in 2 or 1 in 3 for women outside of college. Does anybody believe that? Not me. I don't think any thinking person can believe that's an accurate statistic. No. I mean, it's just, it's, it's crazy. It does not stand up to any sort of, uh, of, of, uh, of uh, smell test. And this, the evidence shows that one, if that were true, uh, that you'd be safer sending your kids to college. Because the people outside of college get raped and attacked much more often than they do out uh, when they're actually in college. I mean, so what do we believe here? Do we really believe that we're talking about rape rates that are much higher than the Rwandan genocide? I don't think anybody believes that. But this is the theme of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, And another story, which is amazing, a story, uh, this is uh, 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 Patrick Witt. Here he is. Um, he is, uh, he was a quarterback at Yale. Um, and listen to this account. This is his firsthand account. This is printed, uh, today. Uh, I'm a first year, stu- I'm a first year student at Harvard Law School, and I joined the 28 members of our faculty who recently protested the university's adoption of a new and expansive sexual harassment policy. Um, Harvard's new policies are substantially similar to those already in effect at Yale, my alma mater. While an undergraduate there, my ex-girlfriend, filed an informal complaint against me with the newly created University-Wide Committee on Sexual Misconduct. The committee imposed an expectation of confidentiality on me as to prevent any form of retaliation against my accuser. I would say more about what the accusation itself entailed if, indeed, I had such information. Plus, they told him that he could have a faculty advisor but no lawyer Mm -hmm. uh, and instructed him to avoid his accuser uh, and he'd not seen her nor spoken with her in weeks. And then all of a sudden, he gets this. Yeah. So how would you feel? You'd be like, what are you talking about? I haven't even seen her. Right. What, what, and I can't have a lawyer? Screw you. Yeah. Under the informal complaint process, specific accusations are not disclosed to the accused. No fact-finding takes place. And no record is taken of the alleged misconduct. No Record is taken of the alleged misconduct. For the committee to issue an informal complaint, an accuser need only bring an accusation that, if substantiated, would constitute a violation of university policy concerning sexual misconduct. The informal process begins and ends at the point of accusation. Think about this statement. The informal process begins and ends at the point of accusation. And the truth of the claim is... Immaterial. immaterial. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. It, it's irrelevant. That's been, they don't yeah. care whether it's true or not. Right. They don't care. A lot of companies have had wow. that in place for a while. Now, I mean, I know... Well, and any female I mean employee can say anything, anything she wants want. uh, about any for that matter, male. Really. Right. But, or I mean, male. But, but I mean, you can go... It would usually be a like, woman. I don't feel good. He makes me feel uncomfortable. Right, and that was essentially what happened here. She accused him of making her feel uh, uncomfortable. She made her worry. Seriously, that's what it was. It wasn't a rape. It was just that she said, oh, I, I, I felt worried. Um, when she I demanded... Felt worried. I felt worried. This is not... Oh, well, there is the freedom from worry in the Constitution. But other than oh, that, yeah. there's not a big basis for that. <laughs> yeah. um, when I demanded the fact-finding be done so that I could clear my name, I was told there was nothing to clear your name of. 
when I requested that a formal complaint be lodged against me, a process that does involve investigation of the facts, I was told that such a course of action was impossible for me to initiate. Coincidentally, the same day, my accuser decided to lodge the complaint against me. The news that I had been selected as the finalist for the Rhodes Scholarship has been publicly announced. The news gained national attention with stories in every major media outlet and print online because of my position at Yale starting quarterback and the fact that my interview date was set for the same day as the last Harvard-Yale football game. Um, and this, is, this mm. guy actually wound up playing in the game. Decided to not go for the Rhodes Scholarship thing to play, uh, you know, to play for his team, which people recognized at the time as, wow, what, here's a guy who's you know, passing this big individual honor to work with the team, and it was widely praised. The, uh, after the, um, the, the New York Times wound up um, uh, writing an article um, saying they had learned about the confidential complaint against him, and the Rhodes Trust uh, had been aware of it. The paper then published a lengthy article re- revising the narrative of my pursuit of the scholarship and suggesting that I had intentionally misled media into believing a feel-good news story, a sports story that never was. The Times public editor later condemned the piece for using anonymous sources. At the time the article was published, I was busy preparing for an NFL combine. Um, projected as a likely NFL draft pick before the accusation was made public, I was not only an undrafted, but completely untouched by any NFL team. The destructive power that Yale and now Harvard sexual misconduct policies wield mm. is immense and grossly underestimated. Mm-hmm. By, giving to unsubstanti- by giving to unsubstantiated accusations the confoundingly difficult to define title of informal complaint and denying accused students an opportunity to clear their names, these policies place the entire weight of the university's reputation on the side of the accuser and against the accused. Uh, he goes on to say, the complaint lodged against me and my family caused immense grief. And as a simple Google search of my name reveals, its malignant effects have not abated. It cost me my reputation and credibility, mm-hmm. the opportunity to become a Rhodes Scholar, the full-time job offer I had worked so hard to attain, the opportunity to achieve my childhood dream of playing in the NFL as well. I've had to address it with every prospective employer whom I've contacted, with every girl that I've dated since, and even with Harvard Law School during my admissions interview. It is a specter whose lingering presence is rooted in its inexplicability. I mean, that, how amazing is this? Here's a guy who, you know, obviously claims he's innocent and wanted to prove his innocence, mm-hmm. wanted to take this on, and is not given the opportunity, even though the accusation against him was that he caused worry and now he can't get into a job. He can't. I mean, I don't know if he would have been a good quarterback in the NFL. Who knows? But he should have had a shot to, to try for it. Yeah. Well, you might say, well, he had no shot coming from an Ivy League. But then right. you think Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's, who's got a decent NFL career going on right now. Yeah. Current he quarterback Harvard, of the Houston Texans. Played for Harvard. And, and now this kid uh, who had NFL aspirations. And, you know, uh, actually Harvard and Yale are pretty good right now in football. They're, they're, they're both doing fairly well in their division. Um, but f- to, for somebody to just accuse you of something, and that's where it stops, and then you you make note of that, and then somehow all that information leaks out, and all that they're accusing you of is making them feel uncomfortable, and then that that causes you to maybe lose uh, Rhodes Scholar position, it causes you maybe to lose really good jobs. It disqualifies you from the NFL. I mean, that is despicable. It is. And a, that is not America. And this is the other side of the it's woman who wrote in Washington Post, we should automatically believe all rape claims. This is yeah. the, that's that policy in action. Well, it ruins people's lives. And 
not just all rape claims, but all uncomfortability claims. Yeah, I think we automatically believe them all. Wasn't even I, I do believe she felt uncomfortable. I do believe that. I believe she was. There well, was some worry. Look, there. We. I believe it. We like the founders, and the founders mm-hmm. wrote very specifically, "Thou shalt not be made to feel uncomfortable." Right. Right. They wrote it in the Constitution. Yeah, first of all, you cannot offend. No. And you may not make anybody feel uncomfortable. If they express that they have been made to feel uncomfortable by you, it is punishable by death. So this guy got off. He started them. He got off scot-free, frankly. <laughs> he's not dead, right? So He's not dead. He's currently so alive. He's currently alive. So he got off easy. It worries me. I mean, look, there are things you have to do. Are you worried? Right? You're worried right now? Jeez, Jeffy's worried. Who are you worried about? Do you, do we have an informal complaint board. I'm worried like about the informal complaints against me. <laughs> <laughs> I would be too if I were you. Um, you know, look, it's you have to do some things for people who are victims of these crimes, and sometimes because of the sensitive nature of them, you have to maybe you know if you're a rape counselor, you don't go in there necessarily and start pressing the witness. Okay, mm-hmm. you maybe you accept it as a rape counselor, and you're saying, look, I understand. Like, let's do the things that are right. And the first thing. You say to them is, let's go immediately to the police. And they'll say, well, I don't know. What about my reputation on campus? And you say, don't worry about your reputation on campus. Go and get this guy in prison. Because if he raped you, he's going to go rape somebody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's completely ridiculous for any other response. Um, but sure, you believe them. And let them sort it out in court if they, if they want to make an accusation. That they, that's how this is, system is designed. But to just say that you're supposed to believe people who make accusations against people they may or may not have another issue with. And, they, and, and you know, the normal way, the reason you wouldn't do that, like if someone wants to accuse Jeffy of something terrible, you might not do it because you have to go through the, the trial and you, you don't want to have to deal with it, you don't want to have to rehash it, and you don't want to be shown com- that you're lying if you're lying. Complete waste of time, too. Complete waste of time. <laughs> you don't want to be shown that you're lying if you're lying. Mm-hmm. Well, when you do an informal complaint and they can't possibly even defend themselves, you take away uh, the deterrent of lying. You let them say whatever the hell they want with no repercussions. Yeah. And uh, that's a yeah. huge problem. I mean, look, y- y- stopping sexual assault is really serious and we all want to do it. But you can't just make it so anyone can ruin someone's life. It's un-American. Uh, you know, it really is. Un-American. Yeah. because I mean, due process. It yeah. should be. It's un-American and unconstitutional. I mean, both these institutions who have this policy should be taken to task, and it should stop.